Okay, well, how do you actually organize such a system? Number one, develop new ministry opportunities. Uh, take one of the spiritual gifts and pull a small group together that maybe has that gift and help, the, help them think through what are some ways that this gift could be used? How could this gift be used in the church? How could this gift be used in the community? The other thing you can do is take a list of certain skills, like music, for instance, and you could generate ministry opportunities that could use those skills. Uh, have you ever thought about ministry opportunities for people that like to take photographs? Uh, we had a whole ministry of, of people who put together multimedia presentations. We never did videos. <laughs> In our daughter church, they do video production. Uh, what about uh, uh, people that like to study? Uh, I've had, I found people in the church that I mobilized to help me prepare sermons. I found people that like to do uh, historical studies, and I would look ahead and where I was going to be preaching and find something of historical or cultural significance that I'd give this person an assignment. Go research the Pharisees and the Sadducees and come back with a summary report of what would be useful in a sermon that would highlight this passage. This guy went wild with that, that thing. I was so excited. You, he got a, a, a library card at a, at a seminary that was near his house. And he would go and spend 15 to 20 hours over several weeks researching the Pharisees and the Sadducees. And then he'd come back with a one-page outline that would be very useful to me. And then he would have usually attached anywhere from 8 to 10 other pages of what he called fun notes. Stuff that he probably was sure I wasn't going to be able to use, but it was so fascinating to him, I just, he just wanted to let me know it. Now, when I came to that passage and started describing the Pharisees and the Sadducees, that would be the best five minutes of my sermon. Well, do you spend 15 to 20 hours in study for every five minutes that you speak? I never did. And so you can multiply yourself. I had other people that would love to do Bible research. I had a woman one time, I asked to, this, to give her this assignment. I was preaching through 1 John, and it talked about how we were supposed to uh, uh, obey everything that Jesus taught. And so I looked through my library to see, well, what, what did Jesus really teach? And I didn't find any good summaries on the teaching of Jesus. I saw a lot of life of Christ and different other kinds of things, but nothing on the teaching of Jesus person. So I called this woman who's one of my researchers. And I said, Linda, would you mind um, reading through the Gospels and give me a summary of what Jesus taught? One week later came best, back the best simple outline of the teaching of Jesus I've ever seen. The possibilities of what people can do for the kingdom of God are absolutely endless. I, I like to find uh, organizer types, and uh, they like to clean up messes. And so I would meet with them weekly for like 45 minutes or an hour, talk through with some stuff that needed to be done, and then they would spend uh, uh, anywhere from three to five, six hours going out, interviewing people, figuring that stuff out that needs to be done, and come back and report. I mean, the possibilities are endless if you just think ahead. I mean, when our church was very new, I put somebody to work who, who would run errands for me once a week. Because we were so new, I was still going to the post office and to the photocopy store and other kinds of places. So I found someone that was a housewife, and I said, would you mind doing this once a week? And she was thrilled to come by every Thursday morning, pick up the list and go do it and, and come back. So develop new, new ministry opportunities. Restructure existing ministries for greater outreach. Uh, for instance, uh, your, your uh, uh, nursery ministry of taking care of the little children, little babies. How could that be structured so that it would have a greater outreach? Any ideas? To the, to the parents of the newborns and congratulate them and offer them a free gift. Uh, something that would be useful for their family, for instance. There's any, any number of things you could do. Number four, identify pastoral tasks that could be delegated. Now, I described some of those type of tasks. See, this is where pastors and elders often get confused. There are people in your church that would be very willing to do certain kinds of tasks if 
you would just plan ahead enough to realize to give them enough time to be able to do it. I would suggest that you make a list of all your activities that you're doing. Then make three columns. Does this need to be done at all? I have discovered that 25% of what, what leaders do does not need to be done at all. You could stop doing 25% of what you're doing and make no noticeable difference to the kingdom of God whatsoever. In fact, Peter Drucker, that management uh, leader, uh, he said that any organization could improve their effectiveness by doing one thing. Get rid of one third of the paperwork. He said it didn't matter which third. <laughs> so, does it need to be done at all? Can anyone else do it? Now, you may not know who, but identify every single task that you're doing that could, in fact, be done by somebody else if there were someone available. See, good leaders never do, for the, do by themselves something that could be done by somebody else. And the third column, what are the tasks that only I can do? Now, that list is a lot smaller than you might think. I was, I was uh, uh, teaching a seminar on this once in the United States, and one pastor raised his hand. I had given them an opportunity to go through this particular activity I just described, which I'm not going to... And he said, Bob, what if everything you're doing is something that only you can do? And I said, well, you would be the very first Christian leader I've ever met where that is true, myself included. And I said, but that, that might be possible. You might be the first. I decided to take this guy out to lunch. In the course of my lecture, I, I shared that the pastor should not be the one that types the church bulletin. He should not be the one that supervises the building maintenance and orders the supplies for the uh, office and the restrooms. In the course of the conversation, I discovered that this guy typed the bulletin, supervised the building maintenance, and in fact ordered the supplies. So I decided to start with the bulletin. I said, why do you type the bulletin? He says, that's easy. I'm the fastest typist in the church. I said, is there anybody else in the church that could type at the same level of quality that, that, uh, that you type? Oh, yes, but she only types 40 words a minute, and I type 120 words a minute. <laughs> That's, that's when I thought to myself, Bob, go slowly here. <laughs> Find tasks that you can delegate. And if you plan ahead, there's a lot more that you can delegate than you might realize. Number four, think through your placement process. The way we did it in our church was through our newcomers class. The newcomers class was what we used to call the membership class. Now, this brings up an important point, that, that sometimes the vocabulary you use is very important. When we called that class the membership class, people would stay at our church sometimes for a year and a half to two years before they would decide to take the class. Because by calling it the membership class, what are you asking people to decide before they get into that class? Of course, you're asking them to decide that they want to become a member. But the membership class is supposed to be the place where they're supposed to find out what it means to be a member. But we would make them take a year and a half to two years outside of that class to figure it out so that by the time they got into the class, they didn't need it. So we changed the name to the pastor's class. And that was quite good. It moved the assimilation up earlier. One day I was out walking through the church before the uh, service started, which I always did. I met new people and other kinds of things. Met a couple, and, and they'd been coming for a number of months, and they seemed all excited. But I noticed they hadn't taken the pastor's class yet. So I said, have you taken our pastor's class yet? And, and they, looked, they looked at me and said, well, why, why should we? We don't want to become pastors. Dumb cough. <laughs> what a stupid thing to call it. Of course. You know, that, that doesn't make any sense to the person that's new. That's why we call it newcomer's class. See, be very careful. I, I use this in illustration. Be very careful of the vocabulary that you use because the vocabulary you use communicates something about your philosophy and, 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 and your capacity to reach people. 
work with your key leaders to zusammen. raise up the leaders needed to help for the placement process, but also to get ownership of the leaders to say, yes, this is a good idea to do a ministry placement process. It's not too hard to get your leaders in favor of this because they're always lacking workers. Don't you find that most leaders in your church are always looking for more workers? I know some may not, but, but many are, right? 